Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downey. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Duck Stream. I am your host, Alexis Downey. It's the end of the week, and we are ending in kind of fun fashion with the freeway face-off. The Ducks hosting the LA Kings tonight at Honda Center. The second of three matchups between the two teams this season. The first one was back on December 20th in LA, but the Ducks are going to look to flip the script in tonight's game. And it's really been a busy week for Duckstream here in general. We've had a lot of shows with our Ducks players and different personalities that have been coming into the studio as well as our Light the Lamp shows too. So thank you to everyone who's tuned in and to all of our new listeners. Welcome. I hope you love all of the different content we have here on Duckstream and keep taking it all in. And I also want to give a shout out to my team and Joey and Stefan for such a successful week. I know that my headspace hasn't fully been here with everything that happened in East Lansing, Michigan, and at my alma mater at Michigan State. That place is my home, and my heart has been there all week. I've been thinking of everyone that's been affected in the tragedy that happened on Monday. It's been really hard to see, but one of the things that has been nice is all of the Spartans that have come together in support of each other. It is just such a family, Michigan State University, and I think that's what we've all been feeling this week. And with the Anaheim Ducks this week, they did fall 7-3 on Wednesday at Honda Center when they hosted the Buffalo Sabres. So let's get into AD's takeaways from that game. And honestly, not a lot to take from this game. The team had a very tough first period only three shots on goal and they were just chasing the game a lot of that period it was tough to watch just overall a bad period Buffalo played really well in their puck possession game and that made it difficult on the Ducks all throughout the game now all three of the Ducks goals that they did have came in the second period and they were back to back to back which was great And they were also from defensemen. So Kevin Chattenkirk got his first goal of the season. And then Cam Fowler followed up with two of his own. But despite the goals, it just wasn't enough of a performance from the Ducks. Some of the goals that the Sabres were able to get were really self-inflicted from mistakes that the Ducks made. And one thing that impressed me about this Buffalo team was their shot speed. I mean, they shoot the puck really hard, and they have so much young talent. I'll be curious to see how that team grows in the coming years. And also, as a part of this game, Lukas Dostal was in the net for this one, and getting peppered in the first period certainly doesn't help when you're starting a game, and that was what he had to deal with a lot in that first period. Probably didn't set him up very well for the rest of the game, but one thing I did notice post-game In the locker room as he was sitting with John Gibson for a while after the game, just the two of them talking. And I think that stood out to me, just the relationship that Gibson has created with Dostal and the guidance that he's able to give him as a veteran guy on this team kind of speaks to the closeness of that locker room as well. The Ducks will have the final game of this two-game homestand, like I mentioned tonight, against the LA Kings before they hit the road next week for a handful of away games. Let's go coast to coast now with goal calls from around the league on Thursday night, beginning with the Vegas Golden Knights and San Jose Sharks game. 
The Golden Knights had a third period breakout from Paul Cotter, who tied the game up before William Carrier netted the winner late in that third period with just 18 seconds left in the game. Now, this was the fourth straight win for the Pacific Division leading Golden Knights. And now you can hear the call of the winning goal from Dan Duva. Stevenson wins the draw. Petrangelo for Theodore. Shoots it wide. Rebound. Out in front. They score! William Carrier puts the Knights on top. 2-1 Vegas. 16 seconds to go. Also on Thursday night, the Seattle Kraken defeated the Philadelphia Flyers 6-2 at Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle. Now the Kraken got out to a hot start through two periods of play, holding the Flyers scoreless 5 to nothing. And that fifth goal came from Yanni Gord, who ended on the night with two goals, as well as a helper for three total points. The Kraken are fighting to stay in the playoff race and atop the Pacific Division, just behind the Vegas Golden Knights. Listen to the call from Everett Fitzhugh. Everly right up the gut through center, backhanding it off right side for Beneers. Back to Everly behind the net. Schwartz taps it shot. Yanni Gord, he scores! Yanni Gord! got two and the Kraken go up five rip 517 to play in the second wonderful entry great eyes by two veteran players and that one-timer was gorgeous and the Carolina Hurricanes are gearing up for the stadium series this Saturday by adding another win to their win column on Thursday with a 6-2 win over the Montreal Canadiens. It was also Cam Ward's Hall of Fame induction night prior to the game, the legendary goaltender for the Hurricanes who played with them from 2005 all the way to 2018. Kane's Seth Jarvis had a shorthanded goal late in the third period to complete the hat trick for him on the night. It was his first NHL hattie with the Hurricanes. Mike Maniscalco has the call of his final goal. This is sit out front. Ronto with another save. And it ricochets over the top of his net. Monty Ronta has only seen 22 shots, but he has made some big saves. And now here's Jarvis shorthanded for the hat trick on Montable. Jarvis And last up, the St. Louis Blues handed the New Jersey Devils a 4-2 loss on Thursday as well. Alexei Toropchenko broke the tie in the second period, giving the Blues a 2-1 lead. That was his fourth goal of the season for the 23-year-old. And St. Louis has 55 points right now, and they are in the hunt for a wild card spot in the Western Conference with three wins in a row to date. You can hear the call from Blues Chris Kerber. The boards it comes. Walker centers a man in front. Perico right there. Shot on. Rebound. Walker left at the net. Parachenko scores. They battled in front of the net. They stayed in front of the net. And Tarapchenko capitalizes. Two to one, St. Louis. 16 minutes to play, second period. Well, like I said, it is freeway face-off number two tonight. And Kings' Alex Faust joined the show today to talk about how the season has been going up in Los Angeles and what to expect in this rivalry game tonight. Take a listen. Joining us now on Light the Lamp is Alex Faust, the play-by-play -play voice of the LA Kings. Alex, thank you for jumping on Duck Stream. How are you doing today? 
You got it. Uh, doing fine on this uh, Friday. Uh, ready to hit the road uh, to head out, out there to Anaheim. Well, first off, I want to congratulate you on your alma mater winning the bean pot this week, Northeastern. <laughs> I know it's probably very exciting for you. A big win over Harvard in the shootout. Sort of an odd ending for it, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I am a bean pot purist, uh, so uh, I appreciate the, the words of congratulations. But uh, I, I got to admit, you know, once it got to a shootout, it was a complete letdown. We used to have... Part of the joy of that tournament, it's uh, it's as close to, you know, NHL style playoff hockey as you can get in college, I, I believe, um, just with the atmosphere and the the stakes with the bragging rights. And they used to play unlimited overtimes uh, for a regular season tournament. But, uh, hey, I'll take I'll take the win. It's four out of the last five. Uh, it's pretty amazing. And. Um, you know, I know Josh Manson's no longer with the Ducks, but uh, he and I, anytime I would be down in Anaheim, we'd, we'd talk about uh, memories from that tournament. Mm. And I know uh, he would be proud as well. I just love college hockey. I've always, I covered it a little bit when I was at Michigan State. And I know the bean pot in general is just something that really brings the city of Boston together. So it's something that I've always kept my eye on each year. Yeah. It's it's unique. It's uh, I try to explain to people like there's nothing like it that I can think of in professional or uh, college sports in the U.S. Yet the Big Five basketball in Philadelphia, but you can imagine four Division One teams all in the same city. They play the same two weeks of the. It's a two week tournament, semifinals <laughs> and the final, and two different weeks. Another game in between. Uh, always scheduled to be the first two Mondays in February. It's like a homecoming. And the Stanley Cup playoffs wrapped into one. Uh, it's it's truly unique. And I, I know for many years, the Great Lakes Invitational, mm. uh, as you mentioned, you know, for Michigan State, you know, a lot of, um, you know, uh, similar traditions there. It's changed a little bit in recent years, but, uh, you know, they, they have a longstanding tradition with that tournament as well. Well, you mentioned it. You're on your way down to Honda Center. So, of course, we have to talk about this freeway face off tonight. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, what is something that you look for in this matchup each year and something that makes you excited, obviously being such a big rivalry? Yeah, I think it's the animosity. Um, and, you know, everyone knows where, you know, Anaheim season has been at. Um, you know, this is one they've got circled on the calendar for sure. And one from a Kings perspective that, you know, you look at the record on the other side and from L.A., you know, they cannot give up a point in this game, uh, given the, the dogfight that's going on in the Pacific division. So, you know, it's a high pressure game, I think for both sides, you know, mm -hmm. one for Anaheim, uh, you know, because this is, this is one of the marquee games uh, that you'll play. And for the Kings, you know, one that they feel they cannot lose. Uh, it appears it's going to be Phoenix Copley in goal tonight. Mm. Um, you know, and he continues his hot run of play. You know, he's basically taken over the number one goaltending job. This is the front end of a back-to-back -back for L.A. Got Arizona in town. So, you know, it's two games that, uh, you know, you got to at minimum uh, get three out of four, if not four out of four from a, from a Kings perspective going in. So that I think there is a bit of pressure on the Kings from that perspective to not drop any points this weekend. You talk about Copley and how much he's meant to the team this season, having a really strong year in the net. But how has he even improved through this year on the back end? I, I think what you've seen is a goaltender who came in 
with the reputation of a guy who's played his whole career in the pretty much his whole career in the American Hockey League. He had one season where he played most of the year with the Washington Capitals. But a guy, you know, this was a, a chance for him maybe to get a cup of coffee if there was an injury when he signed with the Kings as the third stringer. Um, and he came in at a time when the team was reeling defensively. And immediately it seemed to change the identity of the team in front of him. As soon as he, you know, showed up and, and showed, hey, you know, I can give you some solid goaltending. He's very, he has a very calm presence, doesn't have a lot of uh, extraneous movement to his game. Uh, he's very compact with his style, uh, very minimalist in terms of his movement in the crease. And I think the team in front of him responded to that by stepping up their efforts, blocking shots in front of him. For a while, they were averaging 19 to 20 block shots in front of him per game. If you go back since block shots became a stat, I think that was the most or or close to the most in front of any goaltender over a month-long stretch in NHL history. Um, so it was remarkable to see the turnaround in front of Copley. You look at his numbers and even the underlying stuff, it's not like it's world-beating. It's not really remarkable. Mm -hmm. But what he's done is he's given the Kings a chance in most nights. And sometimes it's just coming up with one big save in a game. It doesn't have to be something that's going to you know, be replayed as the top play on SportsCenter. It's just one big save in a key moment of the game. Or when they're under pressure early in a game, you know, he's making a, a you know, couple saves early that just keeps the game scoreless. And sometimes that's all you need from a goaltender. It, frankly, the way the Kings are playing, they don't need world-beating goaltending. They need average goaltending to give them a chance most nights. And frankly, they've gotten that and then some from Phoenix Copley and you know, for, for years, we used to chuckle when Jonathan Quick and his postgame media availability would, uh, you know, he wouldn't comment on his play or the team's play. He would just say, all that matters is we got the win. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we got to start applying the same standard to Phoenix Copley. It shouldn't matter the underlying numbers or it shouldn't matter that he's not this flashy, you know, highlight reel kind of goaltender. He's getting wins. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Another guy on the Kings that received a contract extension recently this week, Mikey Anderson. How significant was yeah. it signing that young defenseman to that contract? Oh, it can't be understated uh, to have him locked up for eight years. And it's not just a, a situation where Rob Blake looked at it like, oh, I've got this young guy. I can get him at a, at a good price and a good contract right now. Mikey wants to be in L.A. long term. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a fit between player and organization. Uh, where, hey, why don't we get a deal done? Uh, he's he's one of, quickly becoming one of the better shutdown defensemen in the National Hockey League. He has a you know a contract now, which is pretty much in line with a lot of the other uh, top shutdown guys in this league. This is a no-brainer for the organization, uh, and especially you know when we're expecting the salary cap to go up in the next couple of years. Uh, to have Mikey locked in at a reasonable number for both player and team is uh, is tremendous for the organization. That was a big item that was going to be on the, the checklist this summer for Rob Blake, and he got his summer work done early for sure. Now, the team has had success since All-Star break, and they've had a couple days off this week. But what has the consensus around the locker room been as to, you know, getting that rest and then getting into this next bit of the season and how crucial this part is? Honestly, Tom McClellan earlier this week said he did not like that the team had a couple of days off this week uh, in terms of days without a game. You know, they practiced pretty much all week. 
But, um, you know, he said this actually came at a pretty inopportune time because they had just come off the all-star break. They had just come off the bye week. And so you want to get back into a rhythm and all of a sudden they have another, you know, three plus days off. Uh, so it didn't come at a great time. Uh, I think it helps that it's a back-to-back situation this weekend a little bit, um, mm-hmm. regardless of what happens Friday night. The fact they play again on Saturday against Arizona is helpful. But, um, you know, there would be a little bit of concern, I think, for the Kings to, you know, first 10 minutes tonight um, to see if they get their legs right away. Uh, they had a very light morning skate today, only about seven or eight participants. Mm. Uh, very optional. So we'll see how they uh, they come out tonight. But uh, there there was a little bit of concern with uh, the number of days off this week for the team. The team currently has 67 points in the standings right now. But overall, looking at the Pacific Division right now, what has your take on the group been this season? Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll broaden the picture a little bit even more and just say the entire Pacific Division has been a mess this season because you've got Vegas, you know, mm-hmm. trying to figure out how good are they, you know, and with Mark Stone out, like how good can they be? Logan Thompson's now hurt. Uh, Seattle, I think a lot of folks were surprised by how good they were. I think everybody figured they were going to take a step forward, but mm-hmm. I mean, they, they could win the division this year. Um, and that was not an expectation coming in. And then you got the Kings who, and I think the first half of the season by heightened expectations, it was a bit of a disappointment because they really lacked defensive structure or shape for the first couple months of the year with an opportunity to pick up some points early. And they, to their credit, they gutted out uh, wins and they gutted out overtime losses in games where they probably didn't deserve that. Um, and they, you know, they picked up points earlier in the year that they've banked. And now, you know, they're in good shape here in this division race. But I'd say you look at the top four in the division and especially with the way Edmonton's been surging lately, it's anybody, uh, anybody's race to take this division title. And I, I couldn't even begin to handicap uh, who I think is going to win the division at this rate, because it's been such a wild year, not just in the Pacific, but in the entire Western conference mm-hmm. where um, it seems like no team has really established a dominant presence or pulled away from the pack. Well, going into this game tonight between the ducks and Kings, what are some of the keys that you think the Kings are going to hone in on? Uh, I think shot volume, you know, with the way that uh, Anaheim has conceded uh, just, you know, all season long, so many shots on goal, but especially lately, um, you got to pepper the net right away uh, and try to get an early lead because the longer that they linger, uh, as you know, I mean, the Ducks are fully capable of scoring goals, uh, but it's a question of, you know, keeping it out of their own net. So, uh, you know, getting off to a good start will be important. Um, you know, I'd be interested to see, you know, Phoenix Copley tonight, you know, would, like, does he face a lot of rubber? Does he go through long stretches where he's not seeing a lot of shots on goal? Does that impact things? Um, but I'd say for the Kings, just get, get off to a good start, get an early lead, uh, because the longer this, uh, Anaheim team lingers, um, you know, the more of a challenge it'll be down the stretch. Alex, do you have a favorite memory from the freeway face-off having called games for it the last number of seasons? Oh, gosh. I mean, I got <laughs> a great introduction my first year uh, where there was a near brawl. and Who else but Corey Perry was in the middle of it with Jonathan <laughs> Quick. And I, I thought, you know, I'm, this is my second year in, in – uh, sorry, my first year in the NHL. And I'm thinking to myself, 
am I going to be calling a goalie fight before the end of the night? Uh, you know, it was that close. Just the, uh, the animosity was there from the get go. And obviously there's been a bit of a gap in performance between the two teams, um, for the last year or so. Uh, but you know, you just, you expect that every time that these teams play that you're going to get fireworks of some kind. Um, uh, you know, I think with, with Trevor Zegras added to the mix and, you know, he, he's known to, uh, the chirp every now and again, um, you know, is that going to set off anybody on LA? Uh, is, is something else going to happen? Uh, it's, it's always fun to watch and I'm looking forward to the game tonight. Alex Faust, thank you for joining us here on duck stream and we'll see you tonight at the game. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And let's wrap up the show with my final quack for this episode, where I share my last thoughts before the end of the show with president's day this weekend. I will not be having a show on Monday, but the Anaheim Ducks will be playing on the ice as they're going to be facing off against the Florida Panthers for an early 10 a.m. puck drop on Monday. Get your coffee ready and get your breakfast ready for that one. I will be tuning in as well. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Come back again next week for more hockey talk right here on Duck Stream. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on Duck Stream.